Today feels like a difficult and, uh, in same parts, exciting day to share about both the goodness of God and his altogether power and the reality of anxiety and despair and depression. And we're going to hold those things in tension today. We're going to normalize those of you in the room that are in places of anxiety and depression. You're in good place here. We'll be good to you. We're absolutely going to also uh, share the good news that God wants to move us to places of peace in our life. Will you pray with me now? Lord God, thank you so much for these moments ahead. Open us up, God, to be more in touch with your spirit. Help us be people of peace in an anxious world. And God, we pray that your spirit be especially present to the really lonely ones in the room right now, the really hurting ones. We know, God, that you long to do a new work in their life of peace and joy and hope. It can only come from your presence, from your spirit, God. So would you do that work ahead of us now? We honor you here, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Our message today, today is called Peace and Anxious Times, and Heather and I will both be kind of sharing both on the work uh, that Jesus talks about through the Spirit in John 14, and also just some per- Heather's personal experience uh, as a counselor and as a human, and that's going to be really wonderful. Peace and Anxious Times, the promise in the text that I read to you today is that God's promised peace in the middle of anxiety, and the fact of the matter is all of us have our own stories. We all uh, feel anxiety differently, and uh, the other night I was tucking my little guy into bed, and he said, Papa, I'm super worried about tomorrow. I, I kind of pause for a moment. I'm like, oh, what is he going to, you know, is there a bully at school? Is there something going on? Like, what, like, just what am I hearing the truth of right now? And I'm like, son, tell me more. And he had made this whole, like, list, a bucket list, which he spelled buck kid, buck kid list of all these things he wanted to do in the month ahead. And he pointed, he's like, tomorrow's the day. I'm going to put as many marshmallows as I can into my mouth. <laughs> Full stop. Like, that's where the anxiety was coming from him, you know? And I was like, okay. And the thing is, right, like, we, we laugh because it's, like, so silly. But in that moment, like, he was actually feeling something. And in our own way, every one of us in the room gets through seasons and, and, and long periods of, uh, of life where maybe anxiety, depression, where things are feeling despair, and nobody around us really gets it. Everyone sees it differently. And the reality is that as a church, we're not much different than society at large. Recently, to no one's surprise, the United States has been declared as the most anxious nation in the world, according to the National Institute of Mental Health. Americans spend over $300 billion a year on mental health, on drugs, on all sorts of things. And so I want to say right up top uh, that if that's where you're at today, like, know that good help is available. We're going to be talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. We absolutely believe, too, in the power of good mental health and power of times of seeing your doctor and of medication and getting in seasons of despair where, you know, other resources are necessary. We don't go to the dentist without Novocaine. So, you know, if that you are in a season where you need medical care, emotional care, you know, uh, prescription care, like, that's okay. God uses that, too. And we know that we continue to feel stuck, even though we're spending the money, we feel stuck. Another study recently said that in each generation in the 20th century, each generation was three times more likely to experience anxiety or depression than the preceding generation. And this is where it gets sad, because most studies say that our generation of kids right now is the most anxious group of teenagers that have ever lived in American society. 
So clearly, things aren't going so well. And in the midst of that, Jesus says here in John 14, my peace I give to you. Don't worry. Paul says in Philippians, be anxious for nothing. And so these questions arise of like, how do we do that? How do we live in a very anxious society and then appropriate the words of Jesus that we won't feel trapped in prisons of anxiety? You know, did Paul not get it? In one place, Paul says, I despaired even of life. And then in another place, he says, be anxious for nothing. How do we hold the tension? Last week, we held in tension. And, and, and you guys took that journey with me that, that God has promised his presence. And we go through seasons of grief that our heart is ripped out. Those things feel like mutually exclusive ideas. In the same way today, we're going to normalize the fact that to be human is to feel anxious. The reason that Jesus is saying this is John 14, because if you do a Bible study this week on John 13, Jesus says, I'm going to go away. I'm going to die. And then John 14, John 15, John 16, Jesus says these two things. You will feel anxious. You will feel orphaned. And I'm going to leave a presence of me. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit that can be your very peace. And so this morning we declare both things are true because there's a distortion that maybe the church can't really help me with my anxiety. That maybe God's not all that powerful. This is the distortion in society. Or another distortion, like for me, I felt like raised in the kind of church I was raised in, that as a Christian, I wouldn't feel anxious, that I wouldn't feel lonely, that I wouldn't feel despair. We're going to talk about that today. That's not at all consistent. In the midst of anxious times, Jesus says, let me be your peace. And you, know, you, can, you can have you know, moments and, and episodes and periods of anxiety, but do not be imprisoned there by them. There's a deeper power for us. And so today we're going to intro steps that are helpful when anxiety comes. And God's given us through the Spirit. He's given us the Spirit through the Son so that we can have peace in anxious times. So let me just set this up. The first, fear is very real, and yet we're called to do it afraid. Fear is very real. If you look at the beginning of John 14, Jesus kind of introduces this whole teaching on peace. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus is saying here that our belief in him can be armor against anxiety when it comes. And then the rest of John 14, he's peppering this teaching that anxiety itself is not a sin. Anxiety is an emotion. Jesus says, you will feel anxious. And then he says, follow me. I'm going to give you a gift. Now, it's true that anxiety is not a sin, but sometimes when we're anxious, we turn to sin. We overeat. We overdrink. We get overly angry. We turn to other places to feel better instead of to Jesus himself. And those become idols in our life. And so we want to normalize that you will feel anxious in our world, and we want to ask you to to consider places that you're turning to for comfort instead of to Jesus. Because ultimately, Jesus says, I have given you the Spirit so that you don't have to be weighed down by anxiety. Or as Paul says, be anxious for nothing. Don't allow the things in your life to keep you perpetually anxious. And this is where the experience of the disciples in John 14 is really powerful because it is normal that they feel fear. And fear gives birth to anxiety. And fear can give birth to depression. And fear can give birth to despair. And so Jesus is it's like he's wrapping his arms around them and said, I know you're going to get scared, but know that I will be with you. 
And the scriptures, guys, are just crystal clear that when we pursue God's best, we're not given a free pass. The promise isn't a stress-free life. The promise here that we're going to declare today isn't that you will never feel, you know, no anxiety, but it's that you have a God who fights for you, who will be present for you. John 14, verse 23 and 24, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. We will come to them and make our home with them. That's just beautiful imagery. Jesus is saying, if you obey me, if you live into faith, if you turn towards me, my father and I won't just welcome you into our home. We will come and build our home in you. It's said of this text that these passages, Jesus is kind of telling telling the disciples, I'm going to heaven to prepare a place for you. And it's said of this text that this is how it teaches us to be prepared for the place. That our peace would testify not on our perfect coping skills, but on the power of God most high. But here's where we get stuck, church. We often get stuck because we don't feel good. And so we wait. Like once I feel good, I'll take that step of obedience. I'll, I'll serve at the church or I'll, I'll give more generously or I'll declare God's faithfulness. I'm gonna wait for healing. But Jesus is always speaking to people in the middle of fear to say, let me be your peace. Don't think it will end before God wants to do a work in you. He wants to call you from your very valleys and shadows and places that are the most dark. Jesus says, let me meet you there. One of the illustrations towards this is Elizabeth Elliot, whose husband was killed as a missionary in Ecuador, along with some other missionaries. She talks about, in her biography, about being paralyzed by fear. She so wanted to go back to Ecuador to testify of God's goodness. Wasn't like the world's goodness. Wasn't that she would never hurt anything. She wanted to go back to Ecuador to testify to the indigenous people who killed her husband and the other missionaries. But she was paralyzed by fear. She was in a prison. And she had a friend say, just do it afraid. Just do it afraid, because you're never going to get to a, a, a time where fear and anxiety is not going to be present for you, Elizabeth, so just go anyway. Do it afraid. And so she went, and they, they did ministry among the indigenous people in Ecuador that, that killed her husband, and a movement of God happened. Because she stepped out in obedience right in the middle of her very brokenness. This is where we start to talk about finding the peace of God is both something we receive and something we step into. And so Heather is sharing because she's an expert in the field of helping people walk through this. And she's experienced this very powerfully herself in the year, the last year. Thanks. I can relate to that phrase, to being called into something that I am doing afraid. Um, Five years ago, I was um, woken early in the morning at about 4 a.m. on October 20th of uh, 2014. And on that morning, God laid out a very clear plan of a thing that I was supposed to begin. Um, Many years, he'd been writing a vision on my heart, but this morning in particular, he gave me the plans. He gave me the blueprint. And he said, you're supposed to go create a group private practice for Christian clinicians and a training program to welcome all Christian clinicians in our area to come and be encouraged in their work, to have solid research-based, evidence-based practices, and to find community and support for their faith. I'd had way too many clinicians seek me out for supervision and mentoring and saying, I lost my faith along the way in my training, or my training told me not to talk about my faith, and I need a safe place where I can get supervision for my work and say that I'm a Christian 
And I said, come, you need a place. And so God said, create this. And so in faithfulness, I started to put these plans together. On Thanksgiving week of that same year, I had a dream, a very clear dream that I was going to have a baby. And in that dream, I was with our small group, our friends, and we were talking and laughing, and this was kind of a lighthearted conversation. Um, This might be TMI, but Scott's had a vasectomy, and I was aware of that in my dream. And so I said to my small group, I don't know who's going to get me pregnant. This is too real This now is making me feel unsafe. (laughs) But carry on. So no more babies for us, but I'm having a baby, guys. Let's figure this out. And so I woke up, and I knew that that was more than a dream. It felt prophetic. It felt very profound. And I said to Scott, this was the dream, humor and all, but I need you to sit with me with this. We need to figure this out. I don't know if this is the adoption or foster care conversations we've had. I don't know what this is about, but God is birthing something, and will you just pay attention with me? And then I reached out to a Holy Spirit friend, a sister in Christ, who also is very aware of God's presence in her life and mine. And she said, you know, maybe this is about that vision that God has been laying on your heart that you've been so impassioned about lately. Maybe it's that. That really rang true for me. And so I just held on to that idea as I put things in motion, plans forward. And uh, later that year, launched Navigate Family Therapy, which is a Christian uh, program for mental health counseling for the community, and also we do training for Christian clinicians. And in that process, I have never uh, worked harder in my life. And the irony of it is, as I started this putting this in motion and putting business plans together and buying or purchasing uh, all these things that needed to be purchased to make this go. Um, I thought we would start in the summer and then I thought we would start by the end of the summer and I kept, you know, kind of putting things in place and hiring and all of that and the first week that we launched was the first week of September, also the first day of school for my kids, a terrible day to launch something, Um, but it was the day and God had brought it all together as it should and when I counted the number of weeks on the calendar it was 40 weeks from that dream which is the gestation of a baby and so we gave birth to this thing 40 weeks after that dream and God showed up all along the way I could share 10 more stories like that that will blow your mind but I'll save those for another time Um, we'll fast forward to this past fall but let me be clear God was in this and he showed up over and over and over again when I felt weak and incapable he showed up this past fall not this fall the fall before our kids went from being homeschooled for the last four years to going into public schools where, um, especially for our junior high and high school kids, they knew two kids in the entirety of their entire schools. It was a lonely time for them and a heartbreaking time for me as a mom. And uh, very aware of what this transition would be like for them, I was holding a lot of that. Also that same year was the 10-year anniversary of the loss of our son Fisher, which is December 11th, and that's coming up in a couple of weeks. So in the midst of this new season for our family, I was in a deep state of grieving. And suddenly the work that I'd always felt called to, that always felt like a blessing to our family, sharpened me as a mom and made me a better clinician, felt at odds with my family life. And I suddenly felt like our days together were numbered. My youngest started kindergarten my oldest started high school and we only had four years left together as a family unit as we were and I felt like those days were numbered and I know grief and loss so deeply that I was feeling it already and I was saying God 
you need to take this from me. It's too much. The work that I'm doing is too much. There's too much to hold. I'm waking up in the middle of the night. I'm not sleeping. I would wake up with heart palpitations and anxious thoughts racing. Dumb things like, our website needs to be redone. I'm not a website builder. I need to hire somebody. Where do we get the money for that? Things like that to where are my kids at? And are they being bullied? And are they being loved? And my thoughts would be racing. And I'd say, God, you need to take this. It's too much. And I felt that intense grief and then intense sadness and then intense anxiety. And then the daytime, I would feel sad and depressed often. Every single day, I was crying at some point in the day. As a mental health professional, you pay attention to that. That's not good. Something is going on. Um, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating well. I was choosing foods that weren't good for me. I was choosing a glass of wine or two too often to buffer me from the anxiousness, and I knew it. I wasn't struggling with addiction, but I definitely was turning to this as a coping mechanism, and I knew that wasn't healthy. Um, There's something about being in the mental health field that you sort of pay attention to your vices a little bit, but you do them anyway sometimes, because I know that I was struggling. And in that struggle, I felt despair. And I felt like I did not have the energy to rise early in the morning and spend that time listening to God. And I barely fell, to sleep, barely fell into bed at night, exhausted at the end of the day. And on my very worst night, it was January 5th of this past year, we had hosted a party for friends for uh, a soccer party for my daughter. And in the um, wake of them leaving and us tucking our kids into bed at night, I... Um, the surge of work is coming for me came back over me after some lovely weeks together over Christmas and Advent season and celebration. This grief and this uh, stress of work hit me as I was tucking my kids in and I thought, this is what's next. Christmas break is over. The new year has begun and I have so much to do. And so, sorry, I can't see that this is... Um, As I tucked them in, I just felt overwhelmed with sadness, and I started to cry. And I started to cry so much that I started to sob and to heave, and I could not catch my breath. And I kept saying to Scott, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it. And I was not directly suicidal. I didn't have a plan. I wasn't preparing in that. But I did say to myself, I don't want to wake up. I don't want to wake up. It's too much. And as I put myself to bed, and I hoped I wouldn't wake up, Scott was so scared that he slept at the threshold of our door to protect me. And it was an awful time because the thing that I wanted most in the world was more time with my family and more time with the people that I loved. And I just wanted an out because it all felt like too much. And so in the days that followed that, I knew I had hit a low and it was time for me to pay attention. And so what I did is what I do with most of my clients. I took a good look at my life. I said, things need to change. And what do I need to do differently? And so when I work with many of my clients, we look at the holistic parts of their lives, the biological, psychological, social, and spiritual aspects of life. And so in a way, I wrote myself a treatment plan, and I'm going to share that with you, about what I did 
And as I share these things, what I want you to know is that I didn't see this as my strength. I didn't see this as I got my bootstraps on and I got strong. No way was that the case. I was weak and I was hurting and I was broken. And I will say the best word that goes along with what I'm going to share with you is that I chose to receive what was there for me to receive. Instead of turning towards things that were causing me more pain or numbing me, I was turning towards things that were there for me to receive. And so in that receiving, in these categories, we're going to have a slide that's going to come up and talk about this. It will also be posted on Facebook and I think go out in the e-newsletter. Um, I'm just, this is the whole of it and this is a lot. And for anybody that's experiencing this, the last thing you need is more to do. So don't see it as an overwhelming thing. I just brainstormed all of it, and I'm going to give you all of it that I came up with for me, but your list will look different, and maybe you choose one or two things, or one from each category. In the biological category, I needed to get some sleep. I was exhausted, and that alone leads to depression and anxiety, and so I got serious about my sleep, and I'll tell you more how I did that. Um, I chose to limit my alcohol. I don't need a glass of wine every night to get through the day. I chose to reduce that down. Um, Exercise and getting outside does release endorphins and make you feel good. So we know some of these things. The thing that I want to focus on is my medical care. I was experiencing symptoms of I was getting sick all the time. I had started to develop an autoimmune disorder. Uh, I went into the doctor uh, with a wound that wasn't healing that they biopsied. And at my worst days, and I hate to even admit this, I hoped it would be cancer so that I'd have a reason to take a break. And I don't mean to dishonor anyone on that journey because it's an awful journey, but that's how desperate I felt. If the results could come back, maybe I could just rest for a while and get healthy. Um, But I tried to get healthy in other ways. And I went to the doctor, and I talked to my neurologist, maybe about some medication, maybe about how to get through this. And this resource right here called Go exclamation point to sleep comes out of the Cleveland Clinic and it's a sleep research study. She's one of the best sleep doctors in the country. It's $40. It's the price of a copay for the whole program. And if you're struggling with sleep, this is an excellent resource. And I started doing this online CBT therapy for the therapist and it's awesome. And it helps you get through sleepless nights. So that is a great resource. I also looked at my schedule. Things needed to change. I can go and go and go and go. And I needed to stop. And I needed to be home with my kids in the afternoon when they got home from school. That mattered a lot. I needed my energy to go towards work at the beginning of the day when they were off at school. And I needed to rest in the evening. I took work email off my calendar from Friday to Monday. And I chose not to think about work all weekend long, which is really hard for a business owner. And if you run anything, you know it's hard to let that go. Those are some of the changes I made biologically. Um, If you look at this next category, psychological, changing cognitions, it really is when you have thoughts that feel catastrophic or out of control or swirling and it's too much, you can truly look at, and the Bible is the best resource. When I do therapy, I just wish everybody could be a Christian. I'd say, look at these verses. They are actually true. And I think they're crazy too. Don't worry about anything. Right. How does that work? Don't be anxious for anything. He will take care of you. Their perfect love drives out fear. All of these verses we can write on our hearts because it's true. And it's cognitive behavioral therapy in another way. We can say, God, this thought is not helping me right now. This thought is not productive right now. 
God, will you take this and work on this for me? Because I can't do anything with it, and my mind is spiraling, so I'm going to stop, and I'm going to think differently. Self-awareness, I have loved getting to know my Enneagram number, and it has given me a lot of uh, self-awareness that is both validating, but also some areas of weakness for me to work on. I highly recommend it, and this is a resource, the Ready Institute, um, for just some, there's lots of ways to develop self-awareness. God tells us to know ourselves, and this is a good resource for doing this. Um, Letting go. We can, mindless scrolling is just, these are a couple ways. If you, you know, I don't know how you are, but for me, when I'm feeling stressed, I can go to Instagram and be like, oh, mindless feed, mindless, just like, okay, I accomplished something because I caught up in all my Instagram people, so check. Um, I chose to get inputs that were positive, and these are two, one for men and one for women. There's many out there, but I chose to change that scrolling so it would be positive inputs. And then finally, this delegating, letting go, and letting others. Delegating has a lot to do with my work, but I'm going to talk about what do you let drop. We can't do it all. We have to let some things drop, and I chose to let some things drop, but I did it mindfully. I chose to let areas of my house be a mess. And I don't apologize anymore when I have friends over and there's disasters that are showing up because that's where I live. I have four kids. And guess what? I actually do work and don't clean my house all all the time when I go home. Um, There's sanity. We don't eat the most creative foods right now, and I love to cook. But some things just have to drop in order to make the other things a priority. So that's how I went about that category of psychological well-being. Social, we need our people. I prioritize the time with my kids and with Scott, most of all, because this is where I thrive. I was created to love and to be intentionally invested in relationship. And if the primary bonds in my life are not being attended to, I will wither. And so that became how I orchestrated my schedule. And in addition to that... um, Time with, I've been calling them my Holy Spirit friends, people who listen to God and listen to me. And I'm not a therapist with them. I get to be me, and I get to be real, and they can speak truth into my life and encouragement. And I knew I needed that. You know, Brene Brown talks about we just need a couple people like that who really know us, that we can be vulnerable with, and can speak love and encouragement into our lives. Um, And I needed some mentors and leaders who've gone before me, and I've been really intentional about setting that up. I need people that I can check in with who've gone further down the line, um, and you might need that too. So finally, then the spiritual category, um, and I'll end our sermon with a little story on this, but rituals of connection. I woke up to the Holy Spirit telling me, do these things, and I became so depleted and exhausted that it was hard for me to even create the time and space for that. But By getting on top of my sleep, I was able to receive more by being present to him and just creating space and time every morning where I get to take that in. And I have to do this throughout the day. And one of the things that I put here, spiritual meditations, my most favorite app, and it's the most ridiculously expensive app out there, I think it's like $25, is worth it. Um, I've listened to over 250 of these meditation, uh, biblical meditations that change the course of my day by listening to these on a regular basis. I will tell you it's like water. When I have gone through a day and I think, did I drink water today? I see it like that. I have to take this in in order to get through my day. It's constant encouragement for my soul. So I recommend this app, which is called Abide, or Pray As You Go, or Bible in One Year are great ones. And of course, writing scripture on your heart, as I mentioned earlier, when you have these at your beck and call when you're going through hard things. You can get through a hard moment by bringing that scripture to mind. Um, 
and attending church. I never stopped attending church, even when I was so broken that I would stand up here in this corner sobbing through worship. And if anybody was even aware of that, you probably thought I was a total wreck. But sobbing through worship is so cathartic for me, and I feel like God's presence just shows up, and I feel healed through that. And listening to Scott's Scott's words, God's word through Scott, and spending time with all of you is what got me through those times. And so again, don't hear this as a bunch of things that I went and did. It was really things that were at my disposal that are here in the world that I chose to take in and pay attention to and facilitate more time so that I could work on a path towards healing in this really tough time. Thank you so much. It was really brave. Um, Yeah, thank you. Um, Something we said last week that I love is like we come to church not when we're feeling all put together, but we come hungry for God to put us together. That's what the church is called to be, and thank you for modeling that. Um, The second and kind of ending piece here is that God's given us these gifts through the Spirit. Look at verse 25 and 26 of John 14. All this, says Jesus, all that I've spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. He'll remind you of everything I've said to you. So Jesus says here that, yeah, I've called for obedience. I'm going to call you to step towards me, but all of your power will come from the Spirit. And all over John 14, 15, 16, we have the Spirit's an advocate, the Spirit's a counselor, the Spirit's a friend, the Spirit's our Lord. But get this, church, because I was raised thinking about the Spirit just as flame or of like, you know, the cloud, and that's fine, but I really missed that the Spirit was a who, not a what. The Spirit wants to live in us, alive in us, to to, to give us the very strength through anxious times. Like, I, I was so hungry for that and the spirit's been doing this work in our marriage in my life in heather's life like hunting us down the hound of heaven saying just give me your whole life and i will live in you i'm a person not a thing and yet when the people that you love are suffering when when you're laying across the threshold of your door because you're worried about how the night ends what do you do there you pray and you ask god to fight for you Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. The very power that you hunger for to transform your anxiety or despair, depression, or transform the people around you, may you know God fights for you. So laying across the threshold, that wasn't a statement of my strength. I just laid there because I prayed for hours. May we be a praying church that brings the people that we love to the Lord, that brings our anxious thoughts to the Lord, that brings our despair and depression to the Lord and ask God through the Spirit to give us power. John 16, 33. John, you can study it this week. 14, 15, 16. Anxiety is real and the Spirit wants to give you gifts. Anxiety is going to happen and the Spirit will fight for you. And then Jesus wraps up this, this kind of discourse. Verse 33 of John 16. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And so may we be a church that experiences his peace, not so that we can look so put together, but that our very peace will testify to the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's something that God's done in Heather's life from this rock bottom moment of of kind of slowly delivering you from these really dark valleys. Yes. 
Yes, over all of this uh, intakes, the Holy Spirit has shown up. And um, one of the things, and the last thing on my slide, it said retreat. Sometimes we need to go away to quiet places, and sometimes we need to go get fed. And if you have an opportunity, Bev Emerson and Vanessa Fenlison will be hosting this, as they mentioned on the slide. I highly recommend that you go to get away. I signed up for a women's retreat. Women's retreats honestly aren't always my favorite. I'm an Enneagram too. I go take care of everybody else and then I go home and I feel depleted. And so I went by myself (laughs) and I didn't, uh, my spiritual director was supposed to be there and even she couldn't come and I truly was by myself in a sea of wonderful women. And I sat in the back right corner as we worshiped. And as we worshiped, uh, a song that we were singing was Dry Bones. And the, the, and the lyrics said, you know, dry bones, dry bones over and over again. And as we sang that song, I, I just said to God, it's not my bones that are dry. It's my heart that feels dead. And I was just singing these words rather just methodically as I spoke that to God in my own heart. And the very next slide had the similar lyrics and then said, your dead heart. And I said, okay, God, you see me. It was the only line in the whole song. And the fact that I had just uttered it, it was a moment for me where I felt like Hagar, who had run away and said, I'm so alone, but Elroy showed up. And he says, I see you. And I knew he could see me, and I started to just weep. And I wept, and I wept, and I felt the Holy Spirit came upon me. And he spoke through me, and I felt his presence, and I grieved, and I wept, and I cried because my babies are growing up, and babies die, and I have to work too hard, and I can't do it anymore. And I just cried, and I cried, and I sang. And then when it was time, there was prayer people around, and I chose to risk participation, and I went and I met with a prayer person who spoke such truth over me, and the words that she shared with me, I think, are words for all of us that I want to share with you. Um, She validated my grieving. She pointed me towards lamentations, and she said, it is okay that you're grieving, and God grieves with you. And she said, the very thing that you've created in this world, this group therapy practice to bring community and to bring connection and to bring um, life to people is what you need, don't you? I said, yes, that's what I need too. And she said, we're going to pray for that. And we're going to have people come around you to fuel you for the long haul of your calling and your ministry. She validated my work. She validated my ministry and she validated my grief. And then she said, you're going to go outside and you're going to see how the world is changing. God is inviting you into a beautiful garden, but right now the world looks like it's dying. The trees are losing their leaves. The colors are changing as we're going from fall into winter. And for many of us, we feel like we're in a season of winter. And she goes, what you're going to see and what you're going to pay attention to is how death brings life to new things. That fallen tree is nurturing something new. That tree that looks dead is full of sap and it's rejuvenating. And what I took from that is this is a time for me to slow down and this is a time for me to replenish because boy is God writing big things on my heart about what's next. And for a few months I've said, no, no more, no more vision, no more things, I'm done. And so I get permission for a little while to be in winter to replenish because God has more things to come. And in this season, he is already giving me more compassion for the work that I do and more passion for the people that are hurting 
and more calling to bring this message to the world, that there are good resources for them through God and through the resources that we have in the world that we can receive to know that he loves us and that he will carry us through. His will is not made perfect because I strive harder and I get it all figured out. His will is made perfect in my weakness over and over and over again. And that's the story. And it's a mystery. And it's a good story. Thank you. Yeah, it's so good. And Heather came home. She's like, God did a work in me. I'm different. And it's small degrees. Like often when a storm dies down on the ocean, it happens in small degrees. Uh, we continue that pursuit for peace. And so if you're battling this morning, let God fight for you. Let God fight with you. If people you love are in places of anxiety, despair, depression, pray often. Carry hope for them. Do it afraid, stepping out towards more of God's power, receiving the gifts of the Spirit. Paul says in Romans 8, a really powerful word about how would we get power for this. Paul says, Romans 8, 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life, and get ready, it's peace. So may we be a church that's governed by the very spirit of God, and may you know when you're in these battle zones and places of anxiety and despair, hunger for the spirit of God to so live in you, and may God do a big work in you, that new peace is found, not because you took some steps, but because the Spirit of God is on you and in you, and that our peace will become a testimony. Would you pray with us now? Um, Bow your heads. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for these moments of peace, um, for the glory that you've given through your Son and the Spirit that you've left. And God, we hold in tension this teaching today because we know that it is an anxious world and we're experiencing that. Some in this room are feeling a great deal of that. And yet, God, you're speaking peace. You've gifted us the spirit. And so there's this tug of war in our hearts. God, right now with our head bowed, we we just want to be filled with your spirit. We would ask in faith, God, that through the power of your spirit, you would bring peace into some very weary souls this morning. You would bring love to some really lonely souls this morning. That God, just like you did in the first service, that you would, you'd be writing some new testimonies of power. That this day, some days from now, some years from now, people will look back. And when Heather bravely shared her story, the Spirit of God did a new work in your life. God, give us peace, your peace. Give us your power through your Spirit. And when we get into the anxious spaces, remind us we do not walk alone. Call us out, God, to do it afraid, whatever you're moving us towards. Mm-hmm. All will be glory for you. And God's people said, amen. Would you keep your heads bowed? I would invite you right now to a posture of receiving of the Holy Spirit. Just stay seated. I'm not going to get all woo-woo on you. No, I'm just going to ask you to head bowed. Would you open up your hands? If it's appropriate and it's comfortable, you can open up your arms. But if nothing else, just open up your hands. And what I want you to do in just a moment, we're going to give you just a little bit of silence where you would think about something that's bringing you anxiety or despair or a depression or a loneliness. And I want you to bring it to your Lord. I want you to, you don't have to package it. You don't have to gift wrap it. He knows already. I want you to, in your mind's eye, I want you to put that thing into your hands and I want you to walk it to Jesus. And then while your hands are still open, I want you to ask Jesus through the Spirit.
for peace. So we're going to just be quiet for a moment. I want you to just carry those griefs and hurts and loneliness and anxieties. Carry them to the Lord. And while you stay open-handed, ask the Lord for peace. Holy Spirit, come. Come and bring your peace into our hearts. Thank you for receiving those places of our story that we're most afraid of. And God, would you give us here in these moments or in the days or weeks to follow new testimonies of your power at work in us. Thank you for the grace that you give us. Thank you for the goodness you've showed us. And all God's people said, amen. We're going to ask you to stand as we close in song as we turn our attention to the one place of power, the Holy Spirit in us.